You are listening to the In Focus Church podcast with Pastor Brent Gerard. In Focus Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Evans, Georgia, with a mission to love God, love people, and reach the world. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a rating wherever you are listening, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at InFocus Church. We hope this message encourages you and leaves you feeling challenged to see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Can I tell you something that I am grateful for this morning? I am grateful for trees. Bet you didn't see that coming. Thought I was going to talk about food or something like that. I'm grateful for that too. I put on about six pounds over the last week and a half. But I'm grateful for trees, and it's not because they're pretty in the fall. It's not because they put off oxygen, which we obviously need to breathe. It's not because they create sound barriers and all those things. Those are wonderful, but that's not why I'm thankful for them necessarily. When my wife Carla and I first met, uh, we decided, along with a group of friends, that we were going to go repel Now, I don't know why we decided that would be a good thing to do, uh, but as young 20-somethings and teenagers, we decided we were going to go rappelling. None of us had ever rappelled before, at least there was a few people that had, uh, and I don't know why I trusted all these people with my life, but apparently I thought that was a good idea as well. So we went and found a a rock mountain place that we could do this rappelling and uh, after a while, it was fun. Everybody was doing it. It was great, and nobody, you know, got hurt. Uh, but at some point during this trip, I needed to go to the bathroom. Um, not not the business, just number one, right? So, um, and, and so I was like, you know, there's no bathroom out here. We're in the middle of the woods. We're on a mountain. There's. It was in, like I said, the middle of nowhere, really. And uh, so I decided I would sort of take a little walk into the woods somewhere to be alone. Uh, and as I was walking back down the back side of this mountain that we were on, my foot must have hit something like, you know, I don't know, some slippery green stuff that's on the back of rocks where there is no sunlight most of the time. And I slipped. And then I started to just fall. And at this point, I'm like, I don't know if this is like the end uh, I started clawing because, I mean, I am falling and not stopping. And so I, I, my fingernails are like digging into the rocks, hoping I would grab something just to stop my fall because I didn't know if I was ever going to stop. And all of a sudden, after a lot of falling, it seemed like for a long time, and tumbling, I came to a complete stop at the base of a tree. And the tree had stopped my falling. It stopped my momentum of rolling down this backside of the mountain. It was a surprising place to experience gratitude and it was a surprising object to be grateful for that I had run into a tree because running into a tree had never been a place of gratitude for me. But at that moment, I was grateful that I ran into the base of that tree. Saved me from injury because I amazingly wasn't, or worse. But there's a similar pattern in this life that we live. And I'm going to start off this morning with two similar passages of Scripture. 
probably unpack one of them a little bit more than the other so that we could see the necessity as we're kind of on the backside of a weekend of thanks. We can see the necessity of gratitude in the life of a believer. The first is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, which says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Or Ephesians chapter 5, the second half of verse 19 through 20. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to use thankfulness and gratitude, grateful, interchangeably today. Some distinction could be made that gratitude is more of an inward heart attitude and thanksgiving is the external expression of that praise outwardly of what's going on with the gratitude on the inside. Regardless, we can just say that what we're talking about is an inner disposition that overflows to an outward expression. Gratitude and thankfulness. Now being grateful when things are going great is supposed to be the easy part. That's the easy part in life. I've actually long believed that being grateful, having gratitude and thankfulness through the difficulties of life is really a place of spiritual maturity because it's hard to do that. So when I see or I experience or I see that in somebody's life that there's gratitude and thankfulness in the middle of difficult times, I see something that's actually spiritual maturity, fruit of spiritual maturity. It really doesn't make sense to have that kind of gratitude. It's actually living by faith in a good God in the middle of bad stuff. And that's not easy. Let me start by saying if we don't have gratitude when things are going well, or at least not calamitous, then we can forget being grateful in hardship. I'll say it this way, real simple. If you aren't grateful in the good, forget being grateful in the bad. So let's talk about in the good. Let's talk about cultivating a heart of thanksgiving because it is volitional, meaning that you're going to make this choice to give thanks in all things. It's something that we choose to do. Gratitude to God when life gets tough is not going to spring up from a heart of ingratitude. If you've not cultivated a heart of thankfulness and gratitude, then you're not going to just have all of a sudden gratitude welling up inside of you when life isn't going well. I'll state the obvious. Ingratitude is obviously the opposite of gratitude. Instead of being thankful, we're unthankful. And I'm sure you've been around those types of people. Kinds of people that where they seem to be professional complainers. Complaining about everything. Every time you say something, the glass is always half empty. It's never half full. Unable to even enjoy the enjoyable things in life. If you have no idea what I speak of, then you're probably that person. But ingratitude is way more than a personality problem. Ingratitude is way more than an unfortunate disposition in life. It's problematic. Why? Because ingratitude is incongruent with the life of a believer. To put it bluntly, Romans 121 tells us basically it's sin. To be unthankful, to be ungrateful, to have ingratitude is something that God is very serious about because he desires that we would have hearts that are full of gratitude. Romans 121 says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. 
but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. They neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. That's what that scripture says. This is a problem, a major problem. Why? Because these are the two obligations encompassing one's entire duty towards God, which is to glorify him and to give thanks to him for who he is and what he's done. And the results, as you go on and read the scripture, the results of being ungrateful are scary. Those who refuse to let God have the place of preeminence in their hearts and their minds that is rightfully his will inevitably put someone else in God's place. As long as a person remains thankful to God, there can be a sensitivity and maintain a sensitivity to God's presence. Thankfulness towards God requires a belief in God at the very least. And ingratitude fails to fulfill our responsibility to acknowledge him. When we refuse to be thankful or we refuse to express gratitude, we grow hard-hearted and we grow proud. We take for granted all that God has given us and we become our own gods in essence because everything that we have, good, comes from him. And when we don't recognize that, that's a problem because pride and being Lord of our lives becomes our default response to life and the human heart, when that happens, has no one to thank. We become convinced of our own supremacy And consider all that we have as a justifiable reward to all of our great efforts. The indelible instinct to worship, which is in all of us, becomes perverted by being centered on the wrong object, ourselves. Ingratitude towards God is not so much a cause of evil, but a result of it. And once we have hardened our hearts to the point that we no longer see God is a source of our gifts, that we no longer see God doing things in our lives, then nothing becomes off limits. One reason the Bible takes such a strong stance against unthankfulness and ingratitude may be that God knows that the end result of such arrogance and pride is a mind that is degenerate, immoral, and a life that is corrupt. However, when we find ourselves often That in the place like James says that all that we are and all that we have is a gift from God. We will guard ourselves against idolatry and pride. We'll recognize that God is there and that all that we have is because of him. The reality is, is that Christians should be the most grateful people on the planet. We should be. With lives that overflow with thanksgiving to God. Like I said, that we volitionally, we decide, we cultivate a life and a heart of thanksgiving to where it begins to overflow in even the most surprising of places, like I said a moment ago. Thank God for his mercy that's new even this morning for you and I. Thank God for his provision that is abundant and always on time and also eternal. Thank God for the cross and the forgiveness of our sins. Thank God for the blood of Jesus that makes all things new and washes us whiter than snow. Thank God for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that guides, leads, and empowers us to live a life righteously before Christ. Thank God for the hope of glory that we have, that this is not our home, but that heaven is. Thank God for the amazing grace that he gives to empower us to live. Our gratitude towards God and our thankfulness expressed should be the easiest response of our lives. That once we start, it's almost like we can't stop. 
And this is just, I just mentioned just a, a, a minuscule amount of things to praise God for. Not even getting into some more of the practical things that I thank God for my family. I thank God for my friends and my church that I drove a car here today. That there's a roof over our heads. That I had some good coffee while I was here. That there's a climate controlled environment that I get to be in. And it just goes on and on and on to where I keep remembering that every good and perfect gift comes from above. The father of lights. And I've only mentioned the things that I have seen and I've experienced, not to mention even taking into account the many mercies of God that he's poured out on all of us that we haven't even noticed. Okay, so how are we doing with being grateful in the good? Because that's supposed to be the easy part. But what about when life takes a difficult turn and trouble calamity, sickness, or even earthly defeat, if you will, begins to take place. What then? What's our response then? And if I look at the scripture, that's why I said this is a place of spiritual maturity. It's one of the hardest things I think to do. As I look at the scripture, even in that place, it says, give thanks in all things. Not the bad thing in and of itself, but that even in this situation, God can change me, transform me for his glory, to glorify his name through whatever it is that I'm going through. If we can see with eyes of faith, then here's what we know. We know nothing in this life is better for our becoming more like Christ than the fire of affliction. That's where we're refined the most. Scripture is very clear. That's how we come out looking like pure gold. Therefore, we're going to glory in the tribulations as well as the triumphs of life. We will bless and magnify the name of the Lord as he leads us through the wildernesses that we'll go through in order to confirm and verify that our trust is in him as he prepares us for heaven and eternity with him. We do this by, what does scripture say? Always giving thanks to God. We give thanks for the difficult things in life to the degree that they make us more like Jesus. How is that possible, though? I don't know how I'm supposed to give thanks to God in the middle of fill in the blank. Remember, I started off this morning talking about a surprising place to express gratitude. Falling down a mountain at the base of a tree. That surprising place for us to express gratitude that I want to tell you about this morning, the surprising place for us is the difficulties of life. That's the surprising place that I want us to be grateful for what God is doing. But there's one thing that is not a question. There's one thing that is not a surprise, and that's what makes gratitude in the gravel of life possible, if you will, and that is the object of our thanksgiving. Ultimately, the object of our gratitude, the object of our thanks is God alone. Ephesians 5.20, if we go back to that verse, tells us the object of thanksgiving, verse 20, always giving thanks to God the Father. This is important because this is who we are ultimately giving thanks to, our heavenly Father. He is the source of all of our gratitude, thanksgiving, and praise. Whatever gifts I have, they've come from him. Whatever I've received, he is the giver. He is the source of every good thing in my life. Therefore, he is the reason for our gratitude, and he is always the object of our thanks. 
This also means that we can't press the words all things to literally mean everything. And there are some theological circles that would press us to come to this ridiculous point that we thank God for absolutely everything, including blatant evil. Because it's the secret to Christian freedom or victory and it's unconditional praise. Like we should praise God for our spouse's adultery or we should praise God for a child's addiction or cancer or calamities of war. Such a suggestion is at best a dangerous half-truth and at worst ludicrous, even blasphemous. At the end of our lamentations, which we've been given freedom to have, according to Scripture, at the end of our frustrations or our disputations with God, we come to a place, ultimately, humbly, of trusting our Heavenly Father, even when we don't understand all that's going on. We can even thank Him for His power and His providence, according to Romans 8.28, to turn evil to good purposes. But you know what all of that is? It's not praising God for that bad thing. It's praising God for being God. It's not praising him for evil. To do this would be to react insensitively to those who are going through difficult things because of evil when the scripture says to mourn with those who mourn and to weep with those who weep. So that would be insensitive in that fact. It would be to condone and even encourage evil when scripture tells us to hate what is evil and to resist the devil. So it doesn't even make sense. We're grateful to God for who he is and we can always do that because he is always what? Good. God hates evil. So we can't praise or thank him for what he hates. So then the everything for which we're to give thanks for, or to give thanks to God, has to be qualified by his context. And namely, here's the context, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God the Father. Our thanksgiving is to be for everything which is consistent with the loving fatherhood of God and the self-revelation that he's given us in Jesus Christ. So here's the triune God at work. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. We give thanks to God the Father in name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That encompasses the how. Say, well, how do we give thanks to God? How do we have grateful hearts in the middle of difficulty? Well, Being filled with the Spirit of God, we give thanks to God our Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how we do it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think this means a lot of things. First of all, I think we do this in the power of the name of Jesus. He is our mediator. He is the one who takes the offering or the sacrifice of our praise to God and makes it beautiful. The word calls him our great high priest. I also think it means we give thanks to God the Father because Jesus tells us to do so. I also think it means we do it in the name of Jesus as his representatives here on earth. In other words, we really do think to ourselves in the middle of difficulty or the lowest points of our life, how would Jesus give thanks and praise to God in the middle of this? That's what I think it means when we say, in the name of Jesus Christ, we do this. When empowered by the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, we give thanks to God, and we will find ourselves being grateful in surprising places. This is what I'm challenging you to do, church, is that if you will ask God to help you, if you will do this by his spirit that's inside of you, you can't just do this out of your own strength and out of your own just saying, well, I'm going to make this happen. No, that if you will choose through the power of the Holy Spirit to give praise to God through Jesus Christ, even in the middle of the difficulty of your situations, you're going to find yourself giving praise to God in some surprising places. 
You're going to find yourself giving grateful praise to God in the middle of the miracle, not just after it. You're going to find yourself giving grateful praise while caught between the now and the not yet that we're all caught in as believers who are in a place that is not our home. We're going to give grateful praise while the end is too far away for my eyes of faith to see. We're going to give grateful praise to God in the before, before God comes through, before the miracle happens, before the provision is made. We're going to give grateful praise to God. Because our object is God who is good, not the gift, not the answer, nothing else but him. Giving thanks opens our eyes to see all the good God is doing in the middle of all the bad. That's why that we are grateful because the circumstances are hard. We can be grateful to God that he's with us in the middle of it. Let me give you some biblical examples today who say, well, you know, I, I kind of want to know if there's anything that gives precedence for this in our, our lives. And yes, of course, Scripture is full of these places where God's people gave him praise before, in the middle, in the now and the not yet. So let's be encouraged and spurred on and challenged to praise God anyway. Years ago, I wrote a song with a friend of mine, and that was the title of the song, Praise God Anyway. No matter what that I'm going through, no matter the difficulties of my life, no matter the, the tragedies that I might have experienced, how can I be thankful and grateful to God? How about David? We could pick all kinds of situations in his life. But Psalm 69, you could turn there if you like. The scripture's not going to be up on the screen just because I'm, I'm kind of barreling through this. But David cries out for God to save him from his enemies who are falsely accusing him. He was suffering through mocking, disgrace, and injustice, and it was obviously taking an emotional and physical toll on him. You can just sense it and feel it as you read the scripture. So in Psalm 69, 4, David says this, those who hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. Those who would destroy me are powerful. Those who oppose me with lies. Maybe David wrote this psalm during the eight years that he was on his on the run trying to preserve his life from Saul trying to kill him. Maybe he was in the middle of when Israel was waging a civil war and refused to recognize him as king. Or maybe it was near the end of his life when his own son, Absalom, was trying to betray and kill him. I don't know exactly when he wrote this, but at the end of this, in the end of this psalm, he gave thanks to God. I will praise the name of God with song and exalt him with thanksgiving. And it will praise the Lord better than an ox or bull with horns or hooves. Basically saying, my sacrifice of praise is better than a sacrifice of a ram or a bull david gave thanks here's where he in the face of injustice well you don't know what's been done to me david gave thanks to god in the face of injustice his gratitude was a beautiful sacrifice of praise to god your gratitude even in the face of injustice is beautiful to god so my prayer i pray is that we offer gratitude to god no matter what we face in this life even injustice what about Jonah? Surprising place to give thanks. Belly of a fish. Anybody ever done that before? No. This was a circumstance of his own making, however. Watch this. Like he's there, but it's his fault. His own fault that he's there. God told him to go and warn Nineveh, and he said no. Instead, he jumped into the next ship to Tarsus. And then a violent storm threatens the whole place. And he's like, look, it's my fault. Just throw me overboard. So, you know, like any good sailor who's trying to save themselves, they did. 
threw him overboard. He's promptly swallowed by a large fish. And it's in that place that he repented and he thanked God. You can read it. And Jonah's prayer of gratitude, after that, God commands the fish to spit him up on dry land. And then Jonah headed to Nineveh and had some other problems. But at least he did preach to the people. Here's what I want you to understand. Here's my prayer for us, church, is that we offer gratitude for hard consequences that bring about repentance. Thank you, God, for the hard consequences that brought about my repentance. Because I think we've all been there. How about Hannah? She chose the giver over the gift. What a powerful story. I'm encouraging you to read these stories if you ever want to know about thankfulness and gratitude because she was beloved by her husband, but she was unable to have a child. She was barren. She endured the contempt and the taunts of everyone else around her, but then she was able to receive a child because in her deep pain and her anguish, she goes to God, she goes to the tabernacle, she cries out to God, God, if you would give me a son, I'll give him back to you for lifelong service to God. And here's what God did. He gave Hannah a son. And for the next few years, she weaned him off of having to be with her. And when that time came, she took her son Samuel and dedicated him to the Lord and walked away. Gave him to God, just like she said she would do. Hannah neither regretted nor resented her promise. Instead, she was deeply grateful that God had given her a son. And though she loved Samuel, Hannah chose to worship the giver and not the gift. She says in 1 Samuel, my heart rejoices in the Lord. The Lord has made me strong. Now I have an answer for my enemies. I rejoice because you rescued me. No one is holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. I pray, church, that we will offer gratitude to God for who he is, not just what he gives. Who he is. He's the giver of every good thing. It'd be like somebody giving you a gift this Christmas and you just sit there and fawn over it for hours, never acknowledging the person that gave you the gift. That's what children do. But not those who are growing in maturity. What about Paul? He gave thanks in the middle of the storm. Man, I went and read this one again. It is. Acts 27 is like a modern-day action-adventure story. Paul had been in prison. He put on a ship for Rome under Roman guard. The ship was caught in a violent, I don't know, hurricane or something. I don't know if they have hurricanes over there, so it was something. The crew tried to hold the ship together by passing ropes underneath. I mean, think about that. Let's just hold it together and let it come underneath. And we'll, you pulled that side, I'll pull this side. Let's hold the ship together. Then they threw the cargo out because they needed to get the weight off the ship. Later, they throw out all the tackle. Everything's overboard. But by the 14th day, I mean, that's a long enough. They'd seen neither sun nor stars. And the scripture says they'd given up hope of being saved. It's over. We're going to die out here. But that night, an angel appeared to Paul in a dream, assuring him that no one on that ship, all 276 of them, no one would die. The storm raged on, however. And the ship looked like it would be destroyed, dashed against the rocks. They do all these things. They try to throw down anchor for 14 days. All this is going on. And then here's what happens. At the end of this time, the storm's still going on. Paul urges everybody to eat and to regain strength in the midst of the storm. In the midst of the storm, Paul took, it says, and broke bread and gave thanks and gave bread to everybody till they ate their full. The next day, all 276 aboard made it safely to shore. Here's what Paul didn't do. Paul didn't wait for the storm to pass 
to give thanks. But right in the middle of it, when it seemed like all hope was lost, I'm praying, church, that we would do that. We offer gratitude to God, not after the storm has passed, but right in the middle of it. What about Jesus? He gave thanks before there was enough. Feeding 5,000 people. Before that had taken place, he just lost one of his best friends, John the Baptist, learning that he had been beheaded. He was grieving. He wanted to be alone. So he tries to get off and be alone, and the crowd follows him. So he's moved by compassion, Scripture says, and he begins to preach and teach. Then he realizes they've been there for so long, kind of how long I'm going to preach to you all today, that by 3 o'clock this afternoon, you're going to be hungry. No, they're hungry, and he realizes there's nowhere for them to go. And he said, what do we have? And he takes these fish and these loaves, and it says, seeing that the people were hungry, Jesus took five loaves and two fish, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. The disciples, it says, then distributed the food to all the people that were there until they were satisfied, which we all know is a lot of food. And then they gathered 12 baskets of leftovers. Here's the thing. The odds are 100% that God is going to supply all of your needs. We may not see it yet, but God has promised and he Whenever he promises, he does what he says. So when we ask God to meet our needs, we can thank him in advance for his sure provision. This is exactly what took place. Jesus was doing this. And here's my prayer, that we would offer gratitude to God before he supplies our needs. God, thank you for this. No, thank you before this is even in my hands. Thanking God for who he is before he supplies our needs. And then finally, Think about Jesus before going to the cross. On the evening of the Last Supper, Jesus said that he eagerly desired to eat this Passover with his disciples. Knowing he was about to be betrayed, arrested, mocked, beaten, and crucified, Jesus still gave thanks. Jesus paused three times during the meal to give thanks. During supper, before the cup, before breaking bread, and after supper, before taking another cup. Jesus gave thanks for bread and wine that represented his broken body and his shed blood. Listen to how author Nancy Lee DeMoss describes this. This was not an obligatory blessing offered up before the meal. The whole meal pictured the enormous sacrifice Jesus was about to make. In giving thanks for the cup and the bread, then in giving the symbolic elements to his disciples, Jesus was saying in effect, yes, Father, I willingly surrender myself to your calling for my life, no matter the cost. He gave himself to God and to the world, not with coercion, but with abandon and with gratitude, grateful for the privilege of obeying his Father and of fulfilling the mission he had been sent to earth to complete. I pray that like our Savior, who we're supposed to be following in his footsteps, this is a place of spiritual maturity, that we would offer gratitude to God even when following his will means suffering. See, as we grow in Christ-likeness, we should find our hearts of gratitude and our thanksgiving coming at some surprising points in life. Unlike me at the base of a tree, although, the circumstances were surprising, but for us in this life, the object of our gratitude is not going to be surprising. 
It'll always be thanks to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I know we've all heard the saying, eternally grateful. Anybody ever said that before? Man, I'm eternally grateful. We typically reserve that type of gratitude and thankfulness to someone that we feel like may have saved our lives figuratively, literally. So I want you to take a minute and just think about that. Real easy connection here, but what about for the one who literally saved your life for eternity? Are you eternally grateful that you ended up at the base of a tree, in essence? Looking up to the cross and seeing the Savior that saved your life. It's a surprising place to offer gratitude, the cross. It is a surprising object to be thankful for, a beaten and bloodied Christ. But in the end, it led to the most God-glorifying, praiseworthy moment in all of history, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to which we offer infinite thanks. And it's the same surprising place and object that we're going to continually come back to again and again to offer thanksgiving with a grateful heart no matter what we go through in this life. I don't know where you find yourself today. Falling, clawing, barely holding on. But there is a tree to stop at. And to be grateful for and to offer worship to even praise in the middle of the mess or maybe things are going well for you today and that's great life's pretty good but the same applies it's only because of the cross of Jesus Christ So we all find ourselves here at the base of the same tree, offering thanksgiving and praise with grateful hearts to the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, call it a secret, it's really not. To being grateful, having hearts of gratitude and thankfulness, even in the difficult times of life. My prayer, my hope for all of us is that we will be grateful people that our hearts would be turned to God in thankfulness. Not for the things that are bad, but for the God who is good. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have taken us to a place of seeing who you are and all that you've done for us in Jesus Christ. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Let me just ask you this question. In this moment of of silence, in this moment of reverence before God, before we sing a song that I think is so appropriate to what we're talking about this morning, that we would come to Jesus. The invitation has been given that if you have never found yourself at the foot of the cross, at the base of that tree, that maybe today's that day that you look up and you see the object of your praise and gratitude is Jesus, a savior who can stop the tumbling and the falling, who can stop the things that is taking you and careening you towards death. Stop it in his tracks. 
and give you a new life, a resurrected life. And if that's you today, we want you to let one of our prayer teams know in a moment, even in this moment, that you're in worship saying, Jesus, I'm coming to you. I confess that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and I surrender my heart to you, Lord. I look up from the foot of the cross, and I thank you for what you've done, and I give my life to you, Jesus. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. This is just a prayer that we pray humbly before God, our Savior. That as you do that today, that he would come into your heart, and he will take up residence there and you'll never be the same. For those of you who have put your hope and your trust in Jesus, maybe today you find yourself at the base of that cross again, looking up to Jesus, your Savior, giving thanks to him for who he is and what he's done. Yes, even in the middle of the storm that you find yourself in. It doesn't mean that we don't pray and ask God to deliver us. It doesn't mean that we don't ask God to heal us or to help us. We do all of those things. But in the middle of that, just like Paul, just like Jesus, we give thanks to God before the answer comes because he is praiseworthy and he's worthy of all the gratitude that we can offer to him. God, you are the object of our praise today. Jesus, we come by your blood into the presence of our Savior. Thank you for listening to the In Focus Church podcast with Pastor Brent Gerard. In Focus Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Evans, Georgia, with a mission to love God, love people, and reach the world. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a rating wherever you are listening, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at In Focus Church.